Hello, everyone, and welcome to the premiere episode of Stars Oratoria, the, I believe, first Star Citizen podcast. My name is Senate Van Ryan, and we are currently broadcasting to you live from a planet in the Krell system. Or is it the Odin system? Are we even on a planet? I prefer not to say, as there are people from certain parties and certain governments that do not want me broadcasting to you at all. So we'll keep you guessing for the foreseeable future. Well, what is Star Citizen? Star Citizen is an upcoming PC game currently in development by the legendary Chris Roberts of Wing Commander fame. For all three, or maybe four of you who aren't aware, Star Citizen is a few days out from raising over $6 million to become the most crowdfunded game in crowdfunding history. Which, to be fair, is a relatively brief history, but $6 million is nothing to scoff at. But back to the game. What makes a game worth $6 million? What is Star Citizen exactly? Star Citizen is, for myself and many others, the game that we have been waiting a hefty chunk of our lives for. A true space sim, with classic dogfighting, trading, and all-around adventuring at a visual level not yet realized by similar games in the genre. Later in the broadcast, we'll talk about what sets Star Citizen apart from EVE Online and the X-Series, but for now, we'll detail just what we're getting with $6 million worth of pledges. And hopefully that will help paint an expansive picture of what the game is and hopes to be by the project release of Fall 2014. Thanks to Halida on the Star Citizen subreddit on reddit.com for putting together a comprehensive list that includes everything promised over the course of the crowdfunding campaign. To avoid list fatigue, we'll just go over some of the highlights. 100 systems to explore in a persistent universe. 50 single-player branching missions in the single-player Squadron 42 campaign. A full orchestral score. Professional motion capture, celebrity voiceovers, extensive peripheral support, think joysticks and multi-monitors. First and third person movement on bigger ships like the Constellation and the Carriers. And most importantly for many of us, especially those of us who have been waiting for a very long time, multi-person ships, which allow you to have one person piloting, another person in a turret, or as is the case with the Constellation, which is the Star Citizen equivalent of the Millennium Falcon, allow one of your friends to pilot a launchable fighter. In summation, straight from Chris Roberts on the Kickstarter page, Star Citizen is a rich universe focused on epic space adventure, trading, and dogfighting in first person. Single player, offline or online, a persistent universe hosted by the devs, moddable multiplayer hosted by us, no subscriptions, and no pay to win. So that's Star Citizen. What about this podcast? Star's Oratoria, so named will be a regular podcast discussing the game, the community, ideas from the community, and news as it comes from Chris Roberts and the team at Cloud Imperium Games Corporation. As you might have noticed from the tiny role-playing blurb at the outset, we will be walking a fine line between in-character, in-universe, and the here-and-now real world. Which is to say, probably less of a fine line and more of an extremely broad swath. As the game gets closer to release and more of the universe and its workings are made clear, there will be more room for in-character. Of course, to you listeners, any and all ideas are welcome. If you'd like something to be covered or would like to hear more about a topic, feel free to send me an email at starsoratoria at gmail.com. That's S-T-A-R-S. -S 
O-R-A-T-O-R-I-A at gmail.com. I could not have made it more complicated. I believe there are at least 30 vowels in the email address, but I think you'll manage. And yes, we are still using Gmail 800 years in the future. If it's not broke, don't fix it, I think they used to say. And in the year 2942, Gmail just works. For now, my lovely Xi'an producer and I are going to take a quick break and we'll be back shortly with some of our favorite ideas from the official forum and the Star Citizen subreddit on reddit.com. Stay tuned. up a subject that is going to be rearing its beautiful little head constantly over the lifespan of this podcast and i would imagine over the course of the development process of the game is the subject of immersion what makes a game immersive most would agree that it's a combination of graphics aesthetics animations story and obviously most importantly the gameplay itself Now, immersion isn't always going to equal the same thing for everyone, or rather, not everyone will be able to get immersed into the same things. Many people can, for example, get immersed into the life of an Italian plumber on LSD by playing Super Mario Bros. on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Not much in the way of graphics or story, but classic gameplay. For others, it's going to take a bit more to truly make that escapist connection with a video game. For myself, even the smallest details are important. Take Red Dead Redemption, for example, a highly acclaimed console game from Rockstar, where you play a cowboy in the waning days of the Wild West. Many factors came together to really set this game apart, uh, but specifically, the animations are a step above. Now, just for something so simple as to check your treasure map. Your character, John Marston, will reach into his satchel, pull out a, a yellowed, weathered, piece of paper, unfold it four ways, and then you'll zoom into your treasure map itself. It's minor, minuscule details like these that really serve to transport the player into the world and the environment that's been created. Now, as mentioned, Chris Roberts himself made a a pretty large deal about immersion in one of the crowdfunding videos, and obviously that was more tailored to the graphics Uh, But over the course of the campaign, for example, with the release of the Constellation schematics, you were able to see personal quarters with beds and bathrooms and all of those types of small things that really give the universe weight and give, give it that sense of realism that you don't always get and that you don't always necessarily need depending on the game. Now, as we go forward, a point of contention is going to be how do you balance the realism with the immersion with the fun of actual gameplay. For example, most people would agree that you shouldn't actually have to use the bathrooms that are on the constellation. Some people would like that. Some people would like to actually have to empty their bowels after a particularly vicious dogfight. Myself, personally, I'm just happy to have it psychologically there so that I can, so I can visually acknowledge it. Now, it has been mentioned that, for example, with the beds, those could be used as a point of save where that's where you go to 
log out of the game and then when you log in you log in from your bed or your quarters um, and I think that's a great idea as it finds that balance between the realism and also the fun and it gives the beds a purpose as well which isn't to actually go sleep in for eight hours but to immerse yourself by imagining that you are or that your character is. With that subject in mind we go to the Star Citizen subreddit where user Monkey Fetus created a discussion topic titled Handling Player Death and Potential Boarding Combat Mechanics. Now, as we know, Star Citizen is focused on uh, the immersive aspect. So when you have a ship and your ship is destroyed, you lose that ship and all the, the hard points and the fittings that are on it. Uh, but if you have insurance, then you should get your ship back and maybe you'll have to pay a copay or, or something similar to that. But this doesn't address what happens when you're not on your ship. Star Citizen allows you to engage in first-person combat via the boarding mechanic, wherein you can board another character's ship and try to take it. Picture the opening scene from the original Star Wars. And in the process, you might even end up on the hull of your ship with magnetic boots battling it out. I'm reminded of the character Jubal early from the final episode of Firefly, and I'm hoping something like that is possible. Now, in this Reddit thread, many good ideas were presented, and obviously you have the naysayers who are going to say, you know, this is being overthought, and just, it's a video game, and, and people are going to die, and then they'll respawn, and that's that. Uh, it's more about the fun. But I think it's possible to find that balance with a good idea. That way, people who don't care, it doesn't affect, but people who do care uh, can at least psychologically acknowledge oh, that's what's going on. I didn't just get blown up and then magically transported back to my quarters on whatever planet I was on. Now, uh, some of you would know that Grand Theft Auto has a, a good mechanic that they use where you'll start back at a hospital if you die, which makes it more that you didn't necessarily die, you just got injured and then somebody called an ambulance and it doesn't necessarily answer all the questions like, why am I not in prison? Why didn't the police take me to jail? How did I actually survive jumping off of a 50-story uh, building? How did I survive getting hit by a subway train with live grenades in my pockets? It doesn't make sense always, but it's something. It's better than nothing. I got hurt. I'm leaving the hospital. I'm paying my hospital bills. Now, EVE Online, which some of you many of you I'm sure have played or play currently has the mechanic where you have a clone or you have multiple clones and if you die your consciousness zips across the universe to whatever clone you set to be your your backup and it's it's a brilliant mechanic because it gives you no sense of of jarring wow I have to go empty my bowels because this is super real but it also works because it's an explanation and it's a good explanation and in star citizen since it's 800 years in the future it's totally within the realm of possibility that clones exist and are maybe widely used now the clone mechanic does have drawbacks if you have any character deaths in the single player campaign those deaths are going to lose a lot of emotional weight if every character is immortal and can just bounce to their next clone so that's something to consider, and I'm sure that's something the dev team will be strongly considering over the course of the next two years. But we've mentioned EVE Online a couple of times now, and I said at the beginning that I would try to detail and discuss what sets Star Citizen apart from 
games such as EVE Online and the X series. Now, I played EVE Online for the first time in 2008, and I believe it was right before they upgraded the graphics with the Trinity expansion, I could be wrong, which made all of the space stations and the ships, you know, pretty and, and up-to-date graphically. EVE Online was an enjoyable experience for me, temporarily. I, as I believe many others did and do, wanted EVE to be a joystick, twitch, dogfighting space game. It was not, you click where you want to go and your ship goes there. Which was fine, because then you can kind of relax with it and it's not as intense, unless you're in PvP, which is extremely intense, actually, for what it is. But... The one thing that ultimately drove me away from EVE Online was the community. But before I get ahead of myself, let me reiterate. I believe the primary thing that distinguishes Star Citizen from EVE Online is the joystick twitch play versus point-and-click play. EVE Online gameplay is extremely mouse menu driven. Imagine... If you are controlling a ship in the future, a spaceship, your interface to control that ship is not a joystick, it is windows, and you have menus that you click through, and that's how you fly around through the universe. Right-click, orbit this planet at 200 kilometers. Right-click, warp to this point. Right-click, attack this person. That's generally how you're interacting with the game, and that's how you're interacting with the ship that you're piloting. Which is the polar opposite of how I would prefer to interact with my ship. Obviously, a joystick is preferable, and being able to control on a minute level is ideal. At the bare minimum, when Star Citizen releases, that should be the gameplay. If they overpromised on the orchestral soundtrack, the boarding, some of the RPG mechanics, we do know that the tech demo itself, he's already flying around with a joystick. Another key difference between EVE Online and Star Citizen is that EVE Online allows over a thousand simultaneous players in one battle. I personally have experienced a few fleet battles flying in null space, as it's called, and my numbers may be off. It could be more than a thousand, could be less than a thousand, correct me. But Star Citizen will have instances where only about 100 maximum players will be able to interact together at the same time. Now, as the gameplay is completely different, 100 should be more than plenty. In fleet battles in EVE Online, when you're dealing with that many ships in one place, you're generally not looking at the ships themselves. You're looking at brackets, which represent the ships, and you're fighting at distances of kilometers, whereas in a World War II-style dogfighting scenario, you're going to be much closer, and you're going to need that detail represented graphically on the ships, which does not allow for thousands in one place. But what about the X series? You can use a joystick. The key difference at the outset, of course, is that it's not multiplayer. It also has an extremely unfriendly user interface. To some, a high learning curve is endearing. And I personally 
played quite a bit of X3 Terran Conflict, but ultimately the universe did not draw me in. From the combat videos that we've seen of Star Citizen, it does appear to be more of an arcadey space sim. Personally, I would prefer to draw down some of the arcadey elements and focus on things that make it a little bit more realistic without sacrificing the fun. As it is only at a tech demo level currently, I won't focus beyond one key thing that sticks out to me. An emphasis has been made on portraying third-person dogfighting combat, and that to me is more arcadey than to have your pilot in the cockpit first person and not being able to see all around your ship um, where you wouldn't actually be able to see if you weren't a camera floating 30 feet behind. So I do hope to see more first person in upcoming videos that are released. Well, my ever gracious Sean producer is pointing at the clock, which means it's nearing time to wrap up. As a closing topic, I would like to focus on something that's important to me and I believe to the long-term widespread growth of a multiplayer game. That of course being the community. I made a point of how EVE Online's community was the ultimate reason why I no longer play the game. For all its faults, it can be a fun and intense experience, but as I am someone that likes to get immersed, having a terrible community is something that can completely pull me out of an otherwise great experience. I stick to mostly single player games as a result, not just of EVE Online's community, though you may never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy than the EVE Online general discussion forums, but many games tend to be infested with the same type of groupthink immaturity that can be found there. As a lone voice in the wilderness, I would like to sound my sincerest hopes that the Star Citizen community not fall prey to the negative, meme-based personal attack mindset of those that have come before and continue to persist. And hey, why not come up with our own derogatory names and titles for people and groups in the game that we don't like? Consider leaving ridiculous phrases like Care Bears elsewhere. Let's get creative and forge a fresh community with our own voice and ideas. I normally wouldn't get involved in a community to the extent that I'd be driven to create a podcast, but I truly believe in the game that Chris Roberts wants to make, and it was a dream of mine to play it long before it was even announced. I've been ready to make the leap from dressing up like Han Solo, not anymore as a kid, to actually being Han Solo, and we're finally on the precipice of just that. Star Citizen should be the answer to a lot of dreams. I'm going to do everything in my power to realize it. This has been the first broadcast of Star's Oratoria. To all you Star Citizens and Star Lesser Thans, as some would have you named, stay tuned for more to come. My name is Senate Van Ryn, and thanks for listening in. See you next time.